My name is Harrison Wheeler, and this is Technically Speaking. This show is recorded live in San Francisco and produced in collaboration with Dave Clark at Studio Pod Media. Our show coordinator is Deanna Marinci, with additional editing and music presented by Notalab. This episode of Technically Speaking is sponsored by Automatic, the people behind WordPress.com, Jetpack, WooCommerce, Tumblr, and more. Automatic's 1,400 people hail from 79 countries and speak 99 languages. Their open source software products democratize publishing and commerce so that anyone with a story can tell it and anyone with a product can sell it, regardless of income, gender, politics, language, or country. More than 1 billion people use Automatic products every month. Automatic also contributes directly to WordPress, the open source project that powers over 40% of websites on the internet. If you're ambitious, energetic, and driven by a passion to help people, you can make a visible, profound, and lasting difference working at Automatic. Visit automatic.com to check out the latest job listings today. That's A-U-T-O-M-A-T-T-I-C.com. Hey, everyone. Thank you all for joining us during SF Design Week. My name is Harrison Wheeler. I am the host of Technically Speaking, which is a podcast that I launched last year, and it really connects with designers from all around the world, underrepresented groups, and, and really is a platform for folks to share their story. I'm glad y'all could join in. And, and this is really a, a first for me, having a live stream for the show and then also for SF Design Week. So for folks that are just tuning in, a little bit of a, a hook. I have a number of guests throughout the week from Monday to Friday at this 11.30 to 12.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time slot. Today, I have Alyssa Hart and Mercy Bell of Take Care. And we're going to have an amazing discussion today about their company, Take Care, and mental wellness. Mental wellness. Oof, that was rough. But if you don't mind, feel free to, to give folks a, a brief introduction about yourself. Definitely. First off, um, I'm Mercy, and this is Alyssa. And we are, as Harrison just mentioned, the founders of Take Care, a virtual wellness event and platform. We've basically been creating new types of landscapes online where audio can be heard, stories can be shared, and where we can have just a different type of conversation about wellness and mental health. Alyssa, what did I miss? Well, for starters, I think, Harrison, you said earlier that this is the first SF Design Week that got a virtual component. So I would love to just introduce the fact that that's a uniquely pandemic happening. And so is our sort of founder story. So just to introduce the fact that I'm in Austin and Mercy's tuning in from Boston. And we met only in December and started building this all virtually, having never met in real life. So. Wow. That's a big part of our story is finding ways to connect people virtually, whether that's to like what they need to hear at that moment in their lives or to each other. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned before, SF Design Week is, is usually an event that is centrally located around the city of San Francisco. But with that virtual component, we've got folks from all around the world tuning in. So just to kind of give folks a, a kind of brief overview of sort of like the format of the show, we'll have a discussion for about... 35, 45 minutes. And in that remainder of the show, we'll open it up to Q&A. So for the folks that are tuning in on the BoomSat platform, 
feel free to introduce yourselves, tell us where you're from. And then our amazing producer will also be vetting questions that folks are asking along the show. So, so you have a chance to, to really kind of talk to us and, and, and get a little back and forth there. So let's get started then. You mentioned sort of about that journey. I'd love for you to maybe kind of take us into sort of that moment where y'all really kind of started moving in this take care direction. Maybe even kind of talk about your individual paths that sort of led to this. Sure. It's really interesting. Pre-pandemic, I was working and consulting, playing around with data science and really thinking about problems like operationally. Like I had worked in tech for about a decade But I had started doing some podcasts related to that side of tech and data science. And I fell in love with the microphone and fell in love with the audio format. There's something uniquely different and intimate and important and almost indescribable about the podcast and about hearing people's voices and sort of setting aside our like vision for a second just to hear what we have to say to each other. And when I quit my job sort of out of the blue, I came across a LinkedIn post and got connected to Alyssa. And I don't think we had an original vision to build an event that was audio focused, but there was something in our conversations that sort of led us here. And I mean, Alyssa, I don't know if you want to share like how we met. I would love to add on to that. So we met over a LinkedIn post in December. And at that time, I was gearing up for an event I was putting on that was specifically a virtual event for sober people. And I've been sober for almost four years And I started working in the kind of community building in the sober space really in the last year, but I was working in the live event industry when the pandemic hit and obviously things kind of came to a screeching halt. So that was an interesting pivot to kind of take the skills I had from live event production and put it into a virtual environment. And when I connected with Mercy, we really got ideating on getting out of just the single lane of sobriety because that's just wellness for all of us is just like a very multifaceted intersectional conversation. And so our wheels started turning and originally we thought, well, maybe it'd be like, you know, a virtual like few day event on like one of the web conferencing platforms. And those just really didn't feel right to us. It just felt a little too, I don't know if like corporate is the right word, just a little too like rigid. And so things kind of evolved and ultimately we just came to the level of content we ended up with, which is deciding to do audio because of how people connect with it. And then even just deciding to build our own user experience and really get kind of creative with it, almost thinking of it like an art project instead of some big event with big corporate sponsors. And we're just like, we just want to record amazing stories and create like a virtual art experience. Like how quick, Alyssa, so you've had a sort of a background in production design. So how much of that allowed you to quickly make the decision to pivot? Because I feel you, like I, at, at one point when all the conferences moved online, it was really just sort of like a linear stream of video after video. And that's on top of communicating this way with work and with family, with everyone actually. And so how did that open up the possibilities for you and, and maybe kind of walk us through what makes this event unique? Yeah. So when we started looking at these web conferencing platforms and thinking about this being an event that was only over a few days, doing a wellness event that entailed the the people attending just sitting in front of their computer for three days just seemed like antithetical to wellness. And that's, I think, when the idea for audio started peaking in, like, what what if we could give people an experience they could take with them somewhere else, put on their phone, listen to on a drive, on a walk? 
And then how we ended up building it visually was really thinking about how we can make it more of a physical, like multi-sensory experience too, for someone, especially if they do want to do it, go through it on their computer. And so we had this idea of curating the different playlists on themes. So think about like identity, resilience, all these themes, but having it be in almost a virtual listening room. And this sounds kind of crazy sometimes to explain to some people. And and it's interesting seeing who gets it and who doesn't. I joke with Mercy sometimes, like I feel high explaining it to people. (laughs) We're like, there's audio playlists and you're in a house and you're in a room, but Mercy, maybe you can elaborate on that, on that too. <laughs> I mean, I agree. Like there's something almost, or like Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where he's like the conspiracy theorist with like all these like red strings connecting ideas. But what I think Alyssa is hitting on, which is so important is we wanted to take sound, which can feel very one dimensional. And we wanted to put it into space. So we actually put the audio stories into a virtual house. So, I mean, I always get goosebumps when I share this because for Alyssa and I, part of our founder stories separately is a real connection to physical homes. Both of us grew up with like kind of insecure housing in a sense, meaning like for Alyssa, this was going back and forth between two parents' homes every other day sometimes. For me, it was a stream of evictions growing up as a kid. And both of us were very house-centered. We both bought homes in our 20s. Alyssa flipped a Victorian and sold it and like got out of Michigan. And for me, I bought this house in Martha's Vineyard as a very strong statement of ending a generational curse of evictions. And there's something about the home, putting stories on subjects that are so hard to talk about. Because take care stories are like, you know, grief and loss and bereavement and experiences with racism and generational trauma and talking about the things that so many of us don't know how to. We wanted to put it in a safe space. And I think for both of us in our consciousness, there was no safer space than a home. Even if we hadn't had necessarily the earliest experiences of that, we knew we could recreate it virtually. And that's what we did. So, Lissa, it does feel a bit like it it is therapeutic in a sense, Mm -hmm. right? How has this been for you emotionally? It was, I mean, first of all, I mean, to get started with, to do this with someone that I had never met in person, you know, when I connected with Mercy, I'm kind of an extrovert, so I can actually feel like I make real connections with people over Zoom calls. And so that's, I think, a gift for me that a lot of people don't have. So I haven't felt as socially isolated over the last year as I know a lot of people have, but I'm, as a not super self-motivated person, I have to kind of, to put my all into something, I have to feel like I'm contributing to something that's bigger than me and building this shared vision with someone, being mercy, I think really kind of like held me together emotionally during this process, but it really was a cathartic thing. And let alone the fact that people were trusting us with like very deeply personal stories that they may have never told before. And Throughout the whole process, we really just checked in with each other to kind of like keep us at home with what our mission was and really feeling gratitude and honor for that at the baseline and thinking about like bare minimum, we'll be proud that we did this because of the people that we brought in and and the experience of hearing their stories and facilitating them. So when we talk about wellness, wellness is, is a very wide and broad term. So maybe kind of give the listeners a little bit of the background in terms of the different areas of wellness and the types of of folks that you have online and in the programming that they have. Sure. So when we looked at wellness as an industry, we knew wellness was a lot about feeling good and looking good. So there's a little bit of a, um, I don't know what the right word might be, but it's, it's very much like a consumer driven culture and wellness. I want it. I want to have it. And then I want to be it and I want to feel it. 
And the wellness, you know, that we were imagining was this journey where it didn't have to be a hero's journey either. Everyone starts, you know, it's tough and then it gets better. Wellness to us was every topic that had to do with how you feel. So everything from parenting to grief and loss, relationships, the experiences we have in our body, how we feel around the idea of self-care. Not this idea that self-care is green juice and here's how you do it and 10 top tips for performing under pressure. It was like, how does it actually feel to be on the journey with self-care? And we actively tried to find storytellers who are going to talk about being in that part of that journey. That's like the dip. I've heard enough people tell me how to aspire to perfect wellness. What I need is someone who can walk me through, normalize, and completely understand the journey to get there without always being so prescriptive. So to me, like wellness is just being alive. Like I'm, I'm, I fairly feel like I'm, I'm winning if I'm alive and here I am on this journey. Sometimes it feels good and looks good and sometimes it doesn't and all of it is okay. Yeah. So, so maybe kind of give us an idea of the, the guests on your show. And I think this is also a really great lesson in collaboration. We can get to that portion a little bit later, but maybe kind of tell us a little bit about the genesis, right? Because you're talking about six months and how many audio sort of experiences are there on the platform? 110 speakers, 81 stories, and we actually built the whole thing in 12 weeks. So while we were ideating across half, about half a year, more like five months, the pivot came actually at the, towards the end of January, Alyssa, is that, Mm -hmm. that we went, we said, we can't find a video, we can't find an out-of-the-box solution that's going to actually be true to what we see. And that's when we started recording. And we found everyone from tech leaders at companies like Salesforce and Pinterest and LinkedIn to like everyday folks. And by everyday folks, I really mean like the people we just know one degree out, the neighbor down the street who through like, you know, some strange little park encounter, you found out has an amazing story around chronic illness or has such an inspiring or resilient moment in their own life to share. And the, the general feeling was we were going to work one to two degrees out and not look for circuit speakers, right? Not look for the people who have talk tracks and are known for their wellness journey. We try to find human beings living life everywhere that just had a really great story to tell. And would you say that's kind of like the, the general kind of feedback you've had from folks that have interacted with the platform so far? Alyssa, what do you think the main feedback has been? At least I, I have an opinion, but I'm curious what we haven't actually regrouped on this. On just the content in general? Yeah, like the main feedback on our stories. I know that people have really liked, we have a few pieces where Mercy's a matchmaker at heart and she chose sort of two strangers with parallel stories and matched them up and we recorded their first conversations. So we have a few of those. And I know that especially I think people who like conversational podcasts have really enjoyed those. The other, I mean, the general feedback we've just gotten has been overwhelmingly positive from people who are looking through and the solo recordings range from, you know, four to 40 minutes on some of them. And I think the feedback has just been like, it's really just being invited in on someone's intimate experience, which I think is the beauty of audio as a, as a platform. I think people show up for a recording different on audio without maybe without a live video component (laughs) than they do when they're being video recorded, really. And from a production standpoint, you know, we're able to, some of these were just, they sent us their recordings and other, other single audio recordings we have are ones that we did interviews of people and then pulled together from an hour, hour and a half interview, a shorter segment 
of just the best parts of their story and really tried to make it almost like vignettes. So it was really just inviting someone in on the most impactful piece of that person's journey. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something fascinating about just the theme that we have here on these auditory experiences. You know, the next the next season of the podcast that I'm recording, I have many guests that I've actually met online, like through platforms like Clubhouse or Twitter Spaces. And we've it it feels like we've known each other for a while, which is which is wild because it's not like you know, online platforms, video chatting, your Instagram lives and whatnot. It's not like those haven't been around for a while, right? It's not like posting online is anything new. I'm really curious in terms of just what that means to you in collaboration. How has that been? Because I'd imagine at least with 110 guests, you actually have not met them all in person, right? You may not have met any of them in person given the last six months. So what sort of testament does that have in terms of collaboration and maybe like, what does the, the the future sort of look forward or look towards? I think you guys are about half, are you halfway through? Just about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious to know sort of like, what are the learnings, lessons learned from this and sort of like, how do things look like moving forward? Yeah. It's so powerful to think about how collaboration connection do not require physical interaction. If anything, when we think about how we meet one another especially in like social experiences, like physical conferences. If we were all in San Francisco right now, we'd probably be doing small talk. There's probably some alcohol-fueled events. So then there's even more small talk, but it's like sweatier and more disengaged, if we're honest. Like there's a whole bunch of social interactions in the physical realm that are predicated on like custom and just showing up and like saying those like things like, how are you? Oh, what do you do? Where are you working? And when we meet in the digital space with intention, It is my opinion, we can meet so intimately. I mean, Alyssa and I had never met in real life until we met up in Brooklyn and we've still only seen each other in person once. And I would go so far as to say, Alyssa is in the top 10 people who knows me most intimately. Because when you create with someone or you collaborate with someone, the vulnerability required is so extreme. And every one of our contributors came with that same vulnerability. I mean, we didn't get to know them in real life for so many of them. It was like, what's your story? Are you ready to tell it? We didn't storyboard with them. We didn't choose from a pick list and say, I think this one would be great for you. It was like total open space. Come on in. What's your story? And in some cases, I actually imagine a little more collaboration support could have been cool. But on the other hand, it's like when you meet someone, you say whatever you want to say is valid and we're ready to hear it. There's a bond created in that moment at least on our side, we felt very connected to our contributors. There's a level of trust there. And I think going in and and for the people who saw us and understood our vision and what we were trying to do, it was a space where people could also show up and, and say, you know, I'm having a really bad day or I'm having a lot of anxiety today. And we felt like we could show up the same way. And so it didn't feel like us putting on, you know, our performative corporate Zoom faces every day, even on corporate calls with some of our, the companies we had as clients that bought tickets as their teams, feeling like because of the event where we were putting on, if we were going to really embody that, we could show up on calls for them and just say, just like at the front, just be like, you know, we're in a kind of rough shape today. (laughs) 
And I would love for that to be the case across the board for anyone in any sort of virtual space or people who don't want to have video on for whatever reason, or, you know, I think just being able to show up more ourselves, but for the people we interacted with, I'm, I'm really proud of the level of trust that we cultivated and also in asking them to be again, as specific they want as they're in their story, because we also believe that in the specific there is universal and people can really connect to something on a higher level. It doesn't have to be generalized with some, you know, mission that you're trying to get across to the listener. It's just really, what do you want to say? That is a perfect tie into it. Harrison, you asked, like, what would you, like, what are the learnings? There was a balancing act the whole time between wanting to offer total freedom and trust to contributors. They would offer it back to us. And then even for the listeners and the attendees, create an experience that was like a pure green field. Like you just explore stories. You explore the house, right? We don't bring you through a, like a prescriptive journey. You decide what you want to listen to you come across things, right? All this autonomy and agency, but there was this need at the exact same time to curate. And how do you theme stories? I mean, that in and of itself was like a, it was a political and like deeply, it was a triggering experience for me. Do I put a story under BIPOC? Well, the story was really about parenting. Does it go under both? Do we use tags? Do people feel like they're being tokenized if we use tags? How do we actually allow for a search experience? But then also, how do we make sure people encounter things they would never search for? It's just this complete balancing act of wanting to direct and curate and give total freedom and trust. And that balancing act was true for each other, like in our working dynamic as well. How do we work together? How do we work with the listener? How do we work with the attendee? And I would, I don't think we figured it out. I mean, that's my short answer. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Doing this in the short amount of time. I mean, all the final curation, we didn't get all of the final produced recordings done until like days before it launched and us giving ourselves permission to just show up and figure it out as we went along, which I think a lot of people don't do. They just wait for it to be perfect. And we really built the plane while it was taking off over this whole process and did it by just trusting what we knew the value of these stories was and the intent and trusting each other. And thank God it came together. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think there's a few interesting kind of themes that that stick out to me. And I think, you know, I, I can't, I'm, I'm so obsessed with this sort of like audio experience. And, and Mercy, you kind of talked to this, like, there's so much context in a, you know, person to person interaction where you almost kind of have to break down these barriers. Right. And I would imagine that the output of this work would be totally different if you started creating like these different sort of like themes and storylines, or maybe in terms of like what the speakers are talking about, they might frame it totally differently because they're trying to fit it in, right? They're not necessarily being 100% authentic because they've got to adjust to, you know, sort of what you've, what you've prescribed. I just a shout out to all the like data people, the people who architect the data, because all these stories were at the heart. There were themes and there were, there were tags to be had, right? Meta tags to be assigned, ways to sort of curate and understand what was happening in each story, such that if I came in as a user and I said, I'm a woman in her mid-30s, single parent, just got a diagnosis for a chronic illness or an incurable illness, and I'm dealing with sobriety. Had someone come in with those needs, like that's the story I need to hear, we had the story for them. And the question was, how do we sort of layer on that 
that data or make it available in such a way that feels good for that storyteller and then also makes it accessible for the listener? That's a data question. And also like a, then I'm also thinking HIPAA and like, then I'm thinking all this other stuff. So, but to your point, yes, like this is the crucial part, the breaking down the story so people can find it. Right. Right. So what is like a story that has been standout for you all that has just really touched you? I would say Transparent Man is probably my my single favorite story of the whole experience. I think too, we're biased because we've gotten to know the storyteller very well, but is by a man named Brandon Anthony, who's Brandon Be Happy on Instagram. But the story is his personal story of going from dealing with homelessness two years ago to now he runs a daily Reddit stream called Recovery Road that has over 100,000 people on it every single day. It's the largest recovery environment on social media. And it's really just him showing up and giving his joy and, and like life affirmations every day. And so his journey from going from being invisible or feeling invisible to going and discovering transparency and the power of that in his life. And it's just so beautifully told. He was one of the, a handful of people that showed up with a written piece, like ready to go, single take. And Mercy and I cry on recordings with him regularly. Hmm. Mercy, any, any same one or some, something else stick out for you? You know, for me, there's a little bit of magic in the story, which is the content and then also in the form. So how we tell the story. And for me, there was something absolutely magical about recording. And I hope, I hope she's listening. A Maureen Kelleher, former executive from Ernst & Young. Just one of the most powerful. I mean, you just think of like that the ultimate female executive. I mean, just like the just penultimate, just absolutely powerful in just how she led and spoke and still is. And with the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, she talks about the story of really coming to a new understanding of what it means to depend on others, work with others and be with others when self-reliance just doesn't just work anymore. And the reason it was so powerful is around the same time we were introduced to an amazing young woman who had just received at 46. And I say young woman because at 46, it is incredibly rare to get a diagnosis of young onset Parkinson's disease, but we were able to connect them both. And these are both like amazing, you know, kind of like women who raised kids on their own, had incredible and have incredible careers and also are up against something that there can be nothing, there's nothing to be done about in the most essential way. Like there's a level of having to accept radically a circumstance And these are women who like, you know, they make it happen. So there was so much in that story that at face value, I couldn't relate to because I don't have those particulars, but the general experience of powerlessness or needing to surrender, I could relate to. It was the first time it clicked for me that we were telling stories that, as Alyssa said, they're so specific, but they're so universal. And when these two women got into conversation with one another, it was like the light bulb for me clicked on because they were starting to find parallels in their stories that had nothing to do with the diagnoses and had nothing to do with being, even being moms and being amazing working women. It was just total, these serendipitous little connections. And that happened to us like 10 to 15 times, I'd say over the course of the 12 weeks where people would find they were speaking alongside someone they knew from childhood. I mean, a camp counselor and a former camp attendee were on the same page at Take Care. We didn't even know they knew each other. It's that kind of like magical, connective, I don't know. I don't want to get It was definitely enough for us to feel like, okay, something's going on here that we need to continue. Even if it's just coincidence, it felt like a grand design. 
And even uh, one of the speakers at the time where we were ideating on creating these rooms and uh, and a home for the stories to to exist in and and thinking about it being like a point and click adventure because we just thought that that would be interactive and a neat way for someone to go through the experience. One of our speakers connected us to the artist who ended up being our really like flagship artist. If you go to the website, she's done all of our in- illustrations, Mariana Phillips, and her art title is called Weird Little Lines. If you want to look her up, she's absolutely incredible. But two of our other sort of advisors and other speakers happened to know her after, and we found this out. And then she had just moved to Austin, I think a month before we connected with her. So I ended up meeting her for coffee after our first Zoom call. It's just all these things were definitely feeding us feeling like we're going on the right path. And I don't know, I don't want to get too like the universe provides, but... (laughs) It the universe like, survived. It felt like at a stressful time where we, you know, set this deadline and started working towards it and over a hundred people. And, you know, for every recording, you know, you have to get on a certain amount of calls to fill those people in. And for at least two months, it was like back-to-back Zoom calls every day while trying to figure out, you know, putting the rest of it together. And so these sort of synchronicities definitely kept us going. And then finding the artist and seeing her work and just saying like, yes, this is how it, it's going to look visually as in a person working from physical events and just sort of like an aesthetically minded person. That was huge for me to just keep going and trust that, you know, we've got not only these conversations with people, but I, I see physically how it's going to look and seeing that come together. The future of work is here at Automatic. The people behind WordPress.com, Jetpack, WooCommerce, Tumblr, and more. Join a team of diverse global perspectives. Create the work environment and schedule that empowers you to perform at your very best. At Automatic, what matters is the work you produce, not how many hours you put in. Work from anywhere you choose. There are automatications working right now in 79 countries around the globe. The intellectual and cultural diversity that results is critical to the company's success. Automatic believes in constant learning and offers mentorship and personal coaching to support your growth. As a small company with a huge footprint, Automatic offers you the chance to have an impact and make a difference. If you're ambitious, energetic, and driven by a passion to help people, you can make a visible, profound, and lasting difference working at Automatic. Visit automatic.com to check the latest job listings. That's A-U-T-O-M-A-T-T-I-C.com. So look, we're in SF Design Week. There's a lot of designers, a lot of creative folks, a lot of corporate representation. Just kind of getting to know you both. There's a bit of that transition of you all moving out of the corporate space. And I think wellness played a big role in that. I'd love for you for maybe if you could, you know, really have sort of your perspective on how folks can maintain more balance. What didn't you have before that this journey has taken you through that now you're conscious of and really kind of making strides, right? Because I, again, I don't want this to, I don't want to paint this picture that y'all have made it, right? I mean, I think it's a journey that we're all going through, but I just love for y'all to, to just really be vulnerable and telling the audience sort of like your journey and, and maybe some things that, you know, they can do to, to help improve that. Oh, well, I'm speaking for all my tech employees, startup employees out there. 
holler at your girl. My background has always been work until I burn out and perform at the highest level possible. So almost so no one see if that makes like achievement as a way to stay invisible, achievement as a way to feel good enough. And then burnout as, you know, one of our speakers and just an amazing, amazing voice, Danny Fountain talks about, I would burn out as a form of self-harm. Like I would really burn out as a punishment to myself. And if I've learned anything from working with Alyssa on Take Care, it is that just because I took away the corporate or the startup, I can still operate from that same go, go, go. And I'm one of those people I'm in recovery five years from both drugs and alcohol. I actually can't afford, I'm talking survival. I cannot afford to work like that. And I've done it even to myself as my own boss with Alyssa. And if that teaches me anything, it's that once the conditioning is there, if we looked at like the neural pathways in my brain, we would probably see that I'm going to keep doing that until I interrupt it. And the only thing that interrupted it about Take Care was Alyssa, my business partner and friend and soul sister. Because when you actually take away all the trappings of like, I was in sales, you know, you're, you're competing with other people. When it's just you and another human being, that other human being, if they care about you, is going to say, hey, I think you should go for a walk. Hey, let's put our computers away. Hey, do you really want to work like this? And I think that that in and of itself has completely shifted my behavior. So what could corporate do or what could companies do? Help employees interrupt the behavior. And I see they are taking some strides like random wellness days and and making events not focused on alcohol, which we know is a depressant, like finding ways to create these spaces that interrupt the behavior that can be so damaging. Yeah. For me, you know, working, I worked for a kind of smaller boutique business here in Austin before the pandemic hit. And I spent a lot of time really trapped up energetically and how I could, how it could be so much better than what it was and showing up and like killing myself and working. Yeah. Probably like burning out. And when the pandemic hit, we were gearing up for South by, which was the busiest season in the event season in Austin. And I remember when that, when South by was canceled, it was a Friday at the end of the day. And the next day my stepmother passed away and I had to rush home. And I spent that whole first week of the pandemic really hitting with my family. So while I was gone, like the whole toilet paper craze happened. Thank God my roommate went to the grocery store. And, but while I was, you know, with my family having like a lot of personal changes in my life, everyone went to working from home. People were laid off at my job. All this just radical shift happened. And when I came back to Austin, it was like everything had changed. And I was feeling a lot of economic insecurity. I still had my job. I was like, for now, how long is that going to last? And I was in sort of a scarcity mindset for a little bit, thinking, oh my gosh, I do need to get a tech job, something more secure. Thankfully, I know myself well enough to not make decisions from that place. But getting out of that, dealing with like being partially laid off for a period, really just, it was the first time I'd actually slowed down, I think, in my life in years at least from a work standpoint, and removing the work or what I produce from my personal identity. For a little while, it was like down to 20 hours a week, and I would just work till two every day, and then like go for a walk or go paddleboarding every single day for a little while, which was fortunate on my part. But really shifting my ideas around, again, my worth being based on what I produce. And so the last year has been a huge lesson in that, and it made the decision for what we were building so easy to just like leave my old job and dive into this fully because I believed in it so much 
And I'm very thankful that Mercy and I are both in a recovery of some sorts. I don't identify as being, you know, in recovery from like as an alcoholic, but I say I'm a recovering codependent. So we're both two people who have done a lot of work and can sort of see when our behavior is dipping or, and now at this point can really call each other out (laughs) because we know each other well enough where she will send me to bed sometimes or yell at me for not sleeping and staying up too late and So that was a ramble, but I think really just like getting away from our production being tied to our value is who we are. Yeah. Well, look, we've talked a lot about your experiences and the production. How can folks be a part of the experience that you all built? Yes. Take Care as a wellness anthology, we have established for 30 days only, and there are 17 days left. So if you would like to take part in the Take Care experience, you just head to takecare.com. The A in care is the number four, because all the stories deal with taking care of self, others, work, and world, those four dimensions. We would love to have you listen. You know, the ticket is $25. That was a commitment to accessibility. But if for any reason that price isn't accessible, you please let us know and we'll make it happen anyway. And the most important thing to note is that everything is recorded so that you can listen on your own time. So with 17 days left, there's plenty, plenty of time to listen to these stories. So many of them are under 10 minutes and so many of them will crack your heart open. And more importantly, we would love to know what everyone thinks. Designers, right? We need feedback. And we know that the house is beautiful and the stories are beautiful, but how to engage with the story in the house, we really want everyone's viewpoint on. And our hope is to reopen the anthology in a lasting way on a subscription basis after this you know, 17-day window closes, but we'll keep everyone posted on that. Yeah. So the door to the house closes in 17 days. Which sounds like a horror film. Like we always play around with these this language around the door. You know, what do, what do you say, Alyssa? You go. I'm always like two ways to enter, no ways to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't want it to feel like an escape the room. We want it to feel like a nice housewarming. And that's what this event is. It's a housewarming. It's an MVP beautifully made with so much love. So many people made it. We didn't make it alone. And for that reason alone, we don't find it, the feedback, positive, neutral, negative, constructive. We love it all because we know we're going to rebuild and remodel again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. Any feedback is an act of love to us. We would love to receive it. Yeah. So Dave, do we have any questions? Yeah, we actually do have a question. How do you see the Take Care event living beyond the next 17 days? We see a few things. <laughs> One is, do we make the house bigger? <laughs> What's so many think? Yeah, that's yeah, a big question we had. At different times during building this, sometimes we were like, there's not enough content. And then other times we felt like there was too much. When you go through the experience, especially on desktop, you can actually click on items in the room. And so with how many stories we have now, we would love to find, we talked to the artist about maybe like filling in the color, like the library and adding a kitchen and other rooms and having that be a way to build things out and add more items. Yeah. (laughs) And from there too, I think, you know, we've been ideating... We, it was hard sometimes to describe this as an event because we really like the idea that it's self-guided and someone can show up anytime during this chunk of 30 days. But an event language is how corporations are used to talking. It does provide people a feeling of urgency. And so as we pivot, we're trying to figure out, you know, 
for us, we like the idea of this platform where someone can show up at different times in their life and find different content that they need at that moment. And we can continue to do what we love, which is going out and finding the stories and putting them in the house where they belong. The last thing I want to say is very proud. I'm proud to say we don't know. Harrison, we have spent so much of our life, both of us being the, we'll figure it out or we've got this girls. I mean, Alyssa like knows how to put on an event. You ask her a question, there's a crisis, she's handled it already, or she said she's handled it so she can go handle it. I'm very similar, like always think I have the answer or will say I have the answer. We don't have the answer. We don't. And I actually think it's it's kind of a beautiful thing from a design standpoint to be in the unknown and to just be so damn curious and so thirsty for feedback. And we feel like from that lens of like, we don't know, and we're going to ask and we're going to ask people how they experienced it. Maybe we really will know in the coming month or two. I don't know about any of you, but anytime I make some like long-term declaration of what's going to happen, that changes anyway. So being really in the moment and getting all the feedback we can and looking for patterns and what people enjoyed and, and how it feels to us at that moment we just spent like last weekend, we just had a day where we thought like big picture, like who did we love working with the most? What do we want big picture instead of, you know, trying to come at things from this angle as we, as we grow. So yeah, we don't know. (laughs) All right. So we have another question. It says, if I want to contribute in the future, how do I do so? Amazing. On our site, there is a contact us form where you can share a little bit about who you are and your story. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us directly at hey there at takecare.com. And again, and the, the A for the A in care is a four. So we <laughs> <laughs> I now spell care like when I'm texting someone the word care for other reasons. I now put a four in it. I think it's just like <laughs> Has your phone just adopted the the four? Yes. <laughs> when you yeah. say Pretty care, much, people yeah. are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> awesome. Well, look, y'all, thank you so much for, for joining me today. This is really fun. And I learned a lot about the work that you all are doing, and it's amazing. And I, I do think there's a lot to say about sort of like that curiosity piece, right? This does feel like a brand new space. We do know that actually that the auditory space, we're kind of moving into this new world where our technology, our internet is fast enough. You know, you're seeing a lot of wellness app adoptions. You're seeing a lot more companies starting to really invest more money into this. So I think it's a wonderful time. And, and if anything, this year has taught us to really understand who we are, <laughs> <laughs> and the influences that are happening on the outside. One of the things I think that is really kind of top of mind for me is what does the world look like as we're moving out of sort of the the stay at home and, and getting out? What are your thoughts around that? And have you all put any thought into potentially how things might change? Because again, I, I do think like it is good to be open, right? Like people aren't going to be around the same context anymore. So curious to know what your thoughts are. Yeah, one of our grandiose sort of dream ideas for the future would be to actually have the experience pop up in a physical house somewhere and figuring out what that would look like to make it a, you know, audio experience someone could walk into. That's one of the kind of fun things we're considering, but... Yeah, I was just thinking about 
you know, so much is up to the employer right now, you know, so take care as a split focus. We're thinking about the consumer as a, just a human in the world. And also the employee, like someone who could have their subscription to take care and be actually covered by their employer. So I'm finding we're almost in this little bit of this observational moment. We're like up on the roof, like who's doing hybridized work? Who's really going back to the office? Who's not? Because we could be, you know, take care or all virtual events could be the new normal. And I don't think there's a single person on the planet who thinks that a South by Southwest online could compete with a South by Southwest in the real world. So it's kind of like one of those things where having these moments in real life, they are so powerful. I don't think there is anything more powerful. However, audio and the intimacy it creates between the listener and the speaker, I actually don't know. We would have to really, I think, test this if people do get more out of it in person. Although I do love a silent disco. So <laughs> I don't know. Now it's all up in the air. It could be in person. So you like the silent disco. I don't know if the folks on the stream right now heard that Mercy is on her karaoke mic. I am on my karaoke mic. Yes. Yeah. So we can make the silent disco. Like Friday, we have like a happy hour theme, as I mentioned on the top of the hour or beginning of the hour. We can actually maybe bring you back on for some of that. If anyone puts a song recommendation in the chat right now, I will sing it. <laughs> I don't. I, where do I find this chat? <laughs> oh, please, no one. Please, no one do this. Please. Awesome. Why don't you just sing us a song that's at the top of your head? Hmm. This is going to be a first. On if the I show. could turn back time, you don't want to hear it, Harrison. But I guess I'll go oh. for it. <laughs> <laughs> the sinking was up there a little bit. <laughs> I'll, I will always back up. I was going to leave her there hanging alone. Hey, I'll take it. I take it. Look, it just—it's a testament of how y'all show up for each other. Yeah, I was—I was share for Halloween in 2019 too. So facts, facts. These are all facts. Oh man, Harrison, oh. thank you for having us. This has been a lot of fun. We're glad we could be the first ones to sort of break the ice on this new format. Truly, yeah, really honored and love the expansion of the idea of like where where design you know, can cover, it can cover anything. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show and thank you for so graciously being guests for this whole new format. <laughs>